thanks kumar it's um, really a pleasure and a privilege to be here uh, especially for uh, mudassar kamaz and as you mentioned uh, i think it's almost 10 years now that i've known him watched him closely seen him grow from the student and the prolific writer that he's now become so really happy to be able to i know this entire crowd here actually knows him and his work very well uh, but i think for the sake of propriety and the fact that it's a formal uh, you know framework right now uh, let me still introduce him he all of you are aware that he's going to be speaking on his latest uh, research work which is on edogan's turkey politics populism and democratization dilemmas uh, it's going to be interesting for sure Uh, very briefly then um, dr uh, kumar kumar is the associate fellow in the manohar parikar institute for defense studies and analysis he has a phd in middle east studies from jawahar and in his thesis he had examined social developments in saudi arabia between 1991 and 2010 uh, within a conceptual framework of islamic modernism uh, mudassar's area of interest includes politics and societies in the gulf middle east strategic affairs and political islam um as i mentioned he's really in a prolific writer and i think in his peer group i rarely have seen somebody who has written in such a wide variety of forum and platform and uh, i think as a main point that kumar just mentioned that uh, several research institutes are noticing his work uh, not only in the uh, you know daily uh, media but even in fact serious research journals so uh, is a uh, lot of his work have appeared in journals like uh, contemporary arab affairs digest of middle east studies journal of arabian studies and journal of south asian middle east studies he has co-edited an anthropology uh, titled contemporary persian gulf essays in honor of uh, gulshan hidil uh, prakash uh, jain and grijesh pant he has of course contributed several chapters to edited volumes and regularly contributes to pieces on strategic developments in the middle east and uh, india's relation with the region Uh, he has also been a visiting fellow in King Faisal Center for Research in Islamic Studies in Riyadh and serves as a associate editor of Contemporary Group Middle East. And uh, as Kumar mentioned, I think he's really a soul and heart of the Middle East Institute. And um, over to you, Mudassar. Thank you, ma'am, and uh, really embarrassed actually. <laughs> Such a you know, generous introduction. thanks a lot and i'm also thankful to sir and mei for giving me this platform to discuss this uh, monograph which this this book on edugans turkey uh, you know i i actually uh, started this research work after joining idsa uh, so i'm also thankful to idsa for you know kind of putting me to do this research as many of you who who have known me since jnu know that Uh, i have focused most of my research uh, on saudi arabia and as as far as my research interest is concerned uh, my first love is saudi arabia and you know i have kind of idsa has given me that space to follow uh, my research interest in saudi arabia and simultaneously work on uh, you know turkey as well uh, and in that sense uh, it has also given me an opportunity to grow as a as a researcher and i'm also thankful to uh, dr meena singh rai who has been instrumental in kind of putting me uh, in terms of convincing me actually to undertake this uh, research on turkey so uh, uh, you know that is something which uh, i'm thankful to her also 
now, uh, you know, actually, uh, I was also <laughs> kind of a little worried that uh, after this presentation and once this video goes on the social media, there would be more trolls on my <laughs> Twitter and Facebook account from Turkey, perhaps. But uh, <laughs> anyways, jokes apart, actually, uh, uh, you know, I mean, as, as kind of evident from the, from the title, uh, the books, book is actually uh, about Dugan's Turkey. Uh, I did not uh, start with this uh, kind of title when I started working on this uh, project. This was not the title which I started, but over a period of time, once I you know, uh, thought of publishing this monograph, I thought this would be more appropriate, a more, more reflective title in terms of what is going on in Turkey uh, as far as the current situation is concerned. Uh, and another reason, uh, I mean, people who follow Turkey, they are aware uh, that, uh, you know, if you look at uh, the debate around the Dogan and the debate around the political situation in Turkey, there's been lots of uh, discussion about the way Erdogan has evolved into an authoritarian ruler or the way he has become very dictatorial in terms of uh, how uh, you know, he conducts his, uh, his government. Uh, and also in terms of uh, his desire as a pan-Islamist uh, leader, his desire to kind of revive the lost Ottoman glory and to emerge as a new Ottoman empire. And, and all that, we are aware of, of all these debates. Uh, but I thought rather than uh, just uh, using these nomenclatures, why not go a little deep into, the, uh, into what is happening in Turkey, uh, into what the, uh, the, the, there was, I mean, if you look at the democratization issue as far as Turkey is concerned, one of the primary reasons why actually AKP could uh, come to power through a free and fair election was the democratization process that has preceded the rise of AKP uh, towards the end of the uh, 20th century, you can say that, you know, a number of issues uh, were brought in terms of reforms, political reforms, in terms of judiciary and other, other things. So the process had started earlier and that helped kind of AKP and Erdogan come to power. Uh, uh, maybe uh, one, can, one, can, one can argue that the factors responsible or the driving factors responsible for that reforms was Turkey's desire or, uh, you know, to join the EU for the EU membership. Uh, but there were some internal factors as well. I mean, uh, the way Turkey, Turkish polity evolved in terms of, you know, uh, from uh, since the establishment of modern Turkey, uh, the modern republic. But, uh, you know, these are some of the issues which, which, uh, which were in mind when I started working on this uh, issue. Uh, so what I, what I thought was to, to take up at least three, uh, three parameters uh, and look at them in a very systematic way uh, to, to, to look, to determine as to what are the issues uh, involved as far as the democratization, you know, uh, dilemmas of Turkey is concerned, especially under the current government, which has, which had come to power in 2002 and then, you know, until 2020, it is still uh, continuing. And, you know, in future also, it seems uh, with the way the direction in which the Turkish polity is evolving, it seems we will continue to see Erdogan at helm for, for some time at least uh, in future also. So the three, the three parameters which I took was one, the, 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 the status of or the evolution of the political institutions, that is the uh, legislature, the Grand National Assembly, 
and how uh, it, whether it has remained uh, in, in terms of its power, in terms of its composition, and also in terms of the uh, uh, the the role of executive or the nature of executive, which has also uh, kind of uh, evolved in many ways, and uh, judiciary, obviously. Uh, so this is one aspect, the political institution. The second parameter is the issue of uh, civil-military relations or the role of military in politics. Uh, we all know, if we, if, we, if we look at the evolution of Turkey as a, as a republic, we know that the military has played a very significant role in the evolution of the, uh, in, of the country, in the evolution of modern Turkey. And because of that, it has also been a dominant player as far as the politics is concerned in the in the in the in Turkey, so that that also is an important factor, and that's why I thought it would be important to look at these this factor. The third is the public sphere. Now, all these three uh, have been discussed in the book in three separate chapters uh, in 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 greater details. I have also used some of the primary materials, uh, for example, the constitutional amendment bills, and so on and so forth. And also, I've talked to some of the. Uh, I've been able to talk to some of the Turkish uh, scholars, either based in Turkey, but most based in outside Turkey, because uh, uh, in in the case of people who are within Turkey, they, they have been very circumspect in terms of you know coming up with their their you know views. Uh, so that is something which is important. But again, uh, a lot of secondary material also available through IDSA library. The the rich resource which is available in the library that I also have used. So uh, that is something which is uh, which is in terms of the outline of the book. So let me also now uh, come to the three issues which are I think important as far as the evolution of Turkish polity is concerned. Now if we look at the political institutions in the last two decades uh, since the coming to power of the AKP uh, the they they have evolved. There has been some systematic or systemic changes that have been brought in, both in terms of the political reforms or the uh, the way political discourse has uh, happened, or and as well as in terms of constitutional amendments which have been brought to make you know to to make certain uh, changes and bring reforms. Uh, for example, uh, reforms started uh, in and as my, I mentioned in the beginning that. The process of reforms had preceded the coming of into power of Turkey, uh, AKP and Erdogan. But after coming to power of AKP also, the process continued. Uh, for example, in 2004, constitutional amendments were brought, then again in 2007, then in 2011, some of the issues were brought in terms of, uh, you know, the issue of scarves and all that. Uh, in terms of judicial reforms also were brought. In 2013, also some uh, changes were brought, and then, but the most important, as far as the political institutions are concerned, was brought in 2017, and that was that is a 18 article amendment constitutional amendment package that replaced 76 article package. I mean, 76 articles of the uh, constitution, the 1982 uh, constitution of constitution of Turkey, uh, and this had a profound impact on the, uh, not only in terms of the structure, but also in terms of the future evolution of the political system, I think it will have a very profound impact. And that is why, if you look at the debate within Turkey and the, the analysis of 
the situation uh, outside Turkey also, there was a very strong debate that this is something which is, uh, which is important and which should perhaps be not actually happen as the way uh, uh, you know is happened. It, it happened in 2017. The process started uh, sometime in 2015-16. Then it went through a series of debates within the Grand National Assembly. Eventually, in January 2017, it was passed by the Parliament, by the Assembly, uh, through a two-third majority since it was a constitutional amendment. And then it was put for a referendum. So in, 2000, in April 2017, a referendum took place where the, eventually it was, it, it was approved through that referendum, but with a very slim margin. So uh, actually for, for uh, the people who voted in favor was just over 51% and those who were against was 48% plus. So, and there were also allegations of, uh, for example, uh, you know, fudging of votes. Uh, there were international observers also who said that, you know, there the, are the, the fairness of the uh, referendum can be, uh, is, have been compromised at certain levels. So that is something which is important to keep in mind that it was not a very smooth, clear-cut victory as far as the constitutional amendment uh, was concerned. Is, yeah, it was concerned. Now, one of the most important things which happened was that the, uh, the, the, the system of government in Turkey, which was until then a parliamentary form of government, was changed to an executive presidency. So after 95 years, 94 years after the foundation of the Turkish Republic, the system of a parliamentary form of government was changed into an executive presidency. This, this was something which, which resonated a lot with the, when it comes to the popular uh, vote against the referendum, this was something which resonated significantly with the voters. But when it comes to the opposition leaders, when it comes to the, those who are opposing in terms of within the parliament and outside uh, in, in, in terms of uh, you know, debating the issue, uh, this did not really uh, strike a chord with, with them. So if, if one looks at the, the, the kind of things which people were looking at and the kind of things the opposition leaders were looking at, there was some uh, there were some differences, there were some gaps in terms of how the people looked at it and how the leaders, opposition leaders also uh, looked at it. Uh, so that is something also I think contributed towards, uh, towards uh, passing of the uh, bill, uh, passing of approval of the uh, amendment through the referendum. But that is again an issue which can be debated. Uh, now, when it comes to other issues also, it is not only the change in terms of the executive presidency, but also in terms of how the presidency will be, the kind of powers will the presidency will have, uh, that was a very significant issue and that is something which will have a profound impact in terms of its future, uh, in terms of Turkish future, Turkey's future. Uh, for example, in terms of uh, calling for dissolution of the uh, assembly, dissolution of the parliament and calling for a fresh elections, even though there are certain caveats, the president now can actually dissolve the parliament and call for a fresh elections. But that is something which is which is important. Uh, the second thing is, for example, the president also has certain uh, power in terms of legislation, which was not there earlier. Uh, so that is, again, there are certain caveats in terms of 
uh, what are the things which uh, the uh, parliament can actually over over kind of uh, uh, you know over uh, not not actually approve but again the, when it comes to uh, legislation through decrees the president has a significant power the other thing is the issue of uh, uh, for example uh, how the president is not accountable to the parliament so earlier earlier the parliament can actually question the prime minister but now uh, the parliament can only question the vice presidents or the minister not the president directly so that is also something which is which is uh, important point that the executive is no longer directly accountable to the legislature uh, that is also uh, important as far as uh, the changes are concerned then the, there is other issue of the lifelong life lifelong presidency for erdogan in terms of for example after when it, once the presidency the executive presidency came into effect from june 2018 uh, when fresh elections were held and erdogan uh, won that those direct elections after that he can have he can have two more rounds of uh, you know uh, uh, presidency so uh, so what 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 will happen is that he can remain president until if he continues to win which is very likely he will remain president until 2030 when he would actually become uh, 86 years old so it's more like a lifetime presidency for erdogan and that was also something which was uh, criticized by many in the opposition and all that uh so that is that is about the executive presidency then then there is a issue of the uh, the reduction in power of the national assembly even though in terms of composition it remains the same but powers as i mentioned earlier some of the powers have been reduced uh, and then there is the issue of judiciary now in terms of appointments of judiciary also earlier the national assembly and before the uh, some of the other reforms were brought in to change the civil military relations the military had some powers in appointment of judiciary so that is also has been brought under uh, under the control of presidency so in that in those terms also uh, it is quite uh, uh, you know uh, important to note that these issues have been compromised as far as the uh, uh, political institutions are concerned for example if you look at the judiciary there are two uh, important courts the constitutional court and the court of uh, appoint court that uh, appoints the higher judiciary members of higher judiciary uh, so that is also uh, for example more than 50% of the uh, judges can be appointed by the president and in case uh, the other there is another issue that if uh, that the president can also remain the head of the part a party a political party and if the same party is in power in parliament also which means the uh, the president is head of the state the head of the government and head of the ruling party and in that sense he has almost complete control over who is appointed in judiciary so that is also uh, something in terms of the uh, division of powers in terms of the super presidency i mean the term which has been used uh, several times is that is super presidency in, in those terms also there is a lot of uh, debate and that is something which is very important to note and which which uh, the book actually notes uh, uh, as far as the uh, political system is concerned now 
let me come to the second issue that is the civil military relations or role of the military uh, in the political system again as i said if you look at the historical evolution of turkish polity the turkish political system uh, turkey has been uh, one can say an infatuation with the military rule uh, and military con continued to be a guardian in terms of you know uh, in terms of the political system in terms of the not only the security uh, establishment but also in terms of the direction of the polity the direction of the foreign policy also uh, and on social issues as well so that is something which which started to change only with the objective of bringing turkish political system more in tune with the eu parameters uh, and this precedes the coming to power of akp but after coming to power of akp some systematic systemic changes have been uh, brought in and again it is 2004 onwards if one looks at it these systemic changes have been brought uh, for example the composition of the national security council the power of the national security council have been uh, you know changed uh, for example the the military courts have been abolished and the in terms of appointment of judges the role of military has been brought down the number of judges with military background has also been uh, uh, brought down so these are some of the things which has happened in terms of the military but but there has also been uh, some, at least in the early stages the both the akp and the uh, and adwan as well as well as the military were very careful in terms of how they uh, manage the relation between civil uh, between the, the military establishment and between the elected government because of the past because turkey has in past seen several times that um, elected governments have been overturned by uh, uh, military uh, you know on several occasions so that is something which was so akp was very careful not to uh, kind of antagonize the military establishment too much but at the same time it was it was very assertive in trying to tell the uh, military brass that look we are the elected representative we will uh, we, we you have to be subservient to the uh, uh, the elected representative so that is something which continued uh, uh, in the early stages and then uh, more or less uh, this 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 has been put in the within the structure of the uh, within the system uh, but there it is not as if there has been no resentment because of that there has been some resentment there has been uh, you know obviously there was this failed uh, coup in 2016 but even before that for example during the ergen ergen khan trial trials in 2000 between 2009 and uh, 2010 and 2013 uh, there were a lot of resentment about, uh, among the military rank and file about how they are being treated some of them uh, uh, thought that it is uh, you know they are being humiliated in public and uh, things like that but that is again uh, because of the way uh, uh, i mean the way akp has kind of uh, changed the system the way uh, the situation has evolved it has also uh, the, the military has not really been successful in terms of bringing any change and also in terms of uh, the the uh, gradually putting or uh, you know infilt not I, i should not use the word infiltration but you know systematically putting people who are islamist leaning or who are supporters of the akp into the military and security establishment so that has also played a very 
important role in that regard the the role of ismat uh, the the found the, the group led by fatullah golen uh, that is that was important and that came out very prominently after the 2016 coup attempt so that is something which has to be kept in mind uh, in terms of you know if one looks at the situation in turkey and how things are being played out uh, that is uh, important the third thing is the public sphere now in my understanding and as far as i look at the way situation is evolving in turkey i think this is the most important aspect as far as the democratic slide in turkey is concerned which is going on uh, i mean obviously the other issues are important in, in when it comes to the civil military relations it is it is uh, uh, it is in a balance i would say in fact perhaps akp has done better in terms of uh, asserting the role of or the power of the elected government but when it comes to the public sphere this is where uh, some this is something which is very important to understand and this is not just about i mean not to not to say that these these are not important issues but this is not just about the crackdown on media and civil society but the larger issue of what should be what would be the nature of the public sphere what would be the nature of public discourse and what would be the direction of the public discourse and debates and what akp and edwan have done is that they have brought the you know identity based islam turk turk islam identity based you know idea at the center stage of public discourse and that is something which is which has led to a situation where any digression and and this has this has happened through co-option and coercion both but that is something which is uh what it what it actually has done is that any digression in terms of this identity based debate this very strong or narrow you can say identity based debate is either considered uh you know uh, the anti islam or anti turk nation or it is termed as a western conspiracy or you know conspiracy by uh, enemies of the nation so in terms of the public discourse it it has become so narrow that any digression or, or any any kind of dissent is not at all acceptable in terms of uh, 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 you know be, besides the idea of uh, 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 islam and turk identity so that is something which is very important to uh, understand and that is something which i have highlighted in in many sense that also brings the question of uh, slightly going back to the history in terms of how uh, 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 you know in the early stages of the the turkish republic uh, the modern republic how it was the other way around so in in that sense perhaps advanced turkey has become a mirror image of the previous version of very strong uh, militant kind of secular uh, nationalism which was followed in turkey now it is the islamist nationalism kind of things which is being followed so many have also termed it as counter cultural revolution as far as you know turkey is concerned so that is something which is important uh, to note and which i have highlighted in the uh, book also uh, uh, and in that sense one can also uh, say that perhaps turkey is uh, going back to a stage where it was a one party polity so from 19 uh, uh, from the foundation of the 
republic until 1946 formally and until the 1950 elections parliamentary election informally in terms of practically uh, turkey was a one party rule so in that sense perhaps even though formally turkey is still a multi party uh, system uh, perhaps we are looking at a situation where it will become about one party rule or one one ideology kind of a you know political system there would be no space for any kind of non islamist turkish ident uh, you know identity base for example they when it comes to the kurdish issue uh, most of the kurdish leaders are in jail now some of the elected leaders of the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, kurdish party uh, left oriented kurdish party not the pkk not the not the not the extremist or the militant party but the mainstream political party are in jail some of the elected mayors for example who won during the 2019 uh, local elections have been dismissed and they have been put in jail uh, then for example the issue of those who are secular uh, in their uh, you know uh, in their understanding of the uh, political system they have also been hounded uh, any kind of dissent is also has become a problem for uh, you know people in turkey so uh, and, and then we have also looked at uh, how the gezi park protest was handled in 2013 then how the purges took place after 2016 uh, you know failed coup so all these things combined together it looks like a very bleak you know picture as far as the uh, democratization process is concerned and i think uh, maybe i can uh, uh, conclude by saying and then we can take up all the questions uh, you know i mean if you look at it there are obviously uh, problems but there are certain uh, you can say silver linings in terms of for example the issue of uh, civil military relations are concerned or in terms of continued even though now uh, if you look at it uh, uh, the elections have not really been as fair that is it used to be earlier but still the popular uh, uh, elections are being conducted and the the opposition leaders continue to remain popular uh, and akp has lost also its uh, some of its uh, you know uh, support base there have been a number of leaders recently who have started to leave akp and form smaller uh, center right kind of uh, you know party so some of these silver linings can be seen but as far as as long as edwan is there and as long as he is able to manipulate the political system and the political divide within turkey and continue to remain in power i would say that uh, uh, the, the the future you know doesn't look very bright in terms of uh, how uh, you know turkish polity evolves in future and i think that is something which is important i'll not uh, you know go into more details perhaps uh, also because this will you know help maybe this can lead to some of you uh, download the book uh, from idsa website which is freely available and you know perhaps read the book i'll now stop you thank you thank you uh, dr mudassar i think that was very interesting for somebody like me also who doesn't follow the region so closely uh, i mean you of course didn't you know end off on a very positive note but just the fact that the opposition parties are still active political participation is still uh, you know allowed in a certain way uh, also i think has that silver lining to it uh, can i i can see some questions of the chat box but uh, can i invite ambassador um, sanjay singh 
do you want to speak yourself and ask him uh, uh, thank you very much mudassir uh, congratulations on trying to explain turkey to an indian audience because this is one part of the middle east which is uh, of which there is a huge uh, gap in middle eastern study so very good effort to let us know what i you know in the background of what you said can you identify you know, leaders present day leaders or potential leaders in turkey who could mount a challenge to erdogan like uh, imam oglu the mayor of istanbul is abdullah gul still active davat oglu etc Sure, sir. Should I should I answer this? Or? Yes, and some yeah. background to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you are, uh, and I can actually see your question also, sir. I think, uh, uh, yeah, it's important. So Abdullah Gul is not uh, so active. He he actually uh, wanted to have a new party, launch a new party, but uh, it seems he was uh, prevented. Uh, some some of the debates within turkey was i mean some of the news reports within turkey was saying that perhaps he was uh, threatening not to kind of you know uh, oppose uh, stand against against erdogan so i i don't know whether how far that is true but he was prevented from uh, uh, you know competing so it is unlikely that he would directly come uh, and fight against erdogan but maybe he has, he can support some of these uh, leaders uh for example uh, davatoglu uh, again the case of davatoglu is also very interesting he became disenchanted left uh, the akp has now formed a new party but he has not really been able to capture the imagination of the popular support base uh, and he is seen as uh, somebody who can perhaps uh, uh, help in terms of formation of new parties but in terms of a charismatic leadership perhaps he is not really been able to he would not really be able to provide that uh, one of the key key opposition members the the current mayor of uh, uh, istanbul imamoglu he is seen as a very uh, important leader as far as the charisma is concerned and he has been he uh, his his win in as istanbul mayor in terms of symbolism also is quite important because uh, erdogan himself was a mayor i mean his his rise as a politician begins with you know mayorship of istanbul so but again uh, if 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 one follows the way things are being done uh, erdogan has identified imam oglu also as a very important leader as a threat and there is now a lot of things are being done to try and prevent him from uh, kind of doing anything which can damage akp or erdogan what erdogan wants is to it, he has been projecting his son in law uh, who is the current finance uh, minister to try and project him as a future leader and he has been very active in terms of foreign policy in terms of uh, 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 you know uh, local issues also so and for example in the in the issue in libya uh, he has been very active so these are some of the leaders perhaps uh he who can perhaps uh, you know eventually uh, replace uh, edwan but again i think I, i i would be very circumspect of saying that there is 
there can be a very potent until unless there is a serious division between the akp and mhp which is the ultra nationalist secular party until they there is a break between these two groups these two political parties i don't really see a major change in terms of the uh, political system uh, my next two questions were whether foreign policy issues play any role in domestic politics for example the eastern med or the relationship with russia and of trying to integrate russian systems into the turkish military no so certainly sir a lot in fact in fact a lot of uh, foreign policy of erdogan is being driven by that uh, you know uh, turkish support base a domestic support base that turkey is emerging as a power in the region or turkey can actually uh, revive the glory of the ottoman empire i think that is something which is playing into the uh, hands of erdogan a lot uh, so it's it's both ways to to capture that imagination a lot of foreign policy posters or a, a lot of foreign policy issues are being kind of uh, 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 derived and that is also affecting how uh, turkey is i mean how erdogan has been able to kind of capture the uh, imagination of his support base for example uh, as as i was mentioning uh, for example any 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 kind of dissent is 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 kind of put as a western conspiracy against islam or a western conspiracy against turkey so that is something which is uh, which is important and which kind of or for example if we look at the uh, the recent uh, uh, conversion of hagia sophia into a mosque that also had a lot to do with the political posturing in terms of uh, showing that erdogan uh, is strong and that you know the, the Uh, capturing the imagination of his core support base who are the who are the businessmen and who are the uh, you know in terms of conservative muslims so that is something which is which is very important as far as the uh, turkey this current situation is concerned um there's a lot of them on the chat board and i thought for paucity of time mudar sir would you want to directly just reply to them is yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah undermining the like click and the honor by going back to tanzimat ottoman era maybe i mean let's go down like that answer this first and then we'll i'll try and see if i can club they're all separate so i don't want to club them here yeah i mean uh, dr nanda kishore has asked about the issue of uh, tanzimat uh, in ottoman era constitutional amendments in the presidential system and the issue of uh, gulen movement and uh, the sufi naqshbandi uh, uh, movement and all that these are these are when it comes to the domestic debates very important issues as far as turkey is concerned uh, but uh, you know i will i'll not go back to the tanzimat era in terms of the reforms which which are the the amendments which have been brought because they are entirely of different nature uh but in terms of the issue of diyanet yes uh and this i have discussed in the monograph also uh that the issue of islamization of the education system and the use of diyanet in terms of promotion of the turkish soft power turkish islamic identity in the turkic speaking countries and in arab muslim countries or other muslim countries also these have been used and this is something which plays into the hands of uh, erdogan 
Uh, the other issue which uh, uh, Alwright has asked is about uh, raising of pious generation successfully, particularly resentment of the youths. Your assessment on the role of youths. Yeah. So, uh, no, Alwright, you have very, very correctly uh, pointed out the fact that there is so much of debate about this pious generation. I mean, every time Edouan goes back to any popular public uh, speech, he talks about raising pious generation, talking about how uh, Muslim youth should be like this or uh, Turkish youth should be like that. So all these things he has used in terms of trying to capture the imagination of a certain section of the population. And this plays into the hands of his, in fact, some of, and also in terms of diverting the attention from the economic issues which Turkey has been facing since 2016. So that is also something which is very important. I don't know how things will pan out in until 2023 elections, but uh, but the kind of politician Erdogan is, I am not very. Uh, despite of the fact that the opposition did quite well in terms of the local municipal election in 2019, I'm not very uh, convinced in terms of how far. Until unless again going back to the previous point, the MHP breaks away from you know AKP and there is new political. Uh, combination that comes up and challenges Edwan, uh, uh, it is unlikely. Uh, could you please comment on the night watch? Night watch. Yeah, yeah. So this this issue is again a very uh, interesting issue. What happened was that uh, in during the Ottoman rule, uh, there were there used to be night watchmen who had very who had strong powers. They were like even though they were night watchmen, they were they were like police. Uh, so that uh, has been brought back and despite a lot of opposition saying that this will lead to uh, issue of rule, uh, uh, rule of law and uh, uh, you know issues related to uh, uh, especially among uh, minorities in the Kurdish areas and also Alawis and other minorities also in those areas perhaps this can lead to a problem uh, but again this has uh, Erdogan has gone ahead with this and uh, until unless there is a significant change at the helm of the uh, government, I don't see much uh, scope for a change uh, in terms of this issue. Uh, how much? Uh, there are two questions on the economic uh, impact and the slowdown. But before that, I wanted to ask Kumar. I think he wanted to ask something. Kumar, would you come in here? Yeah. <clears throat> um, thanks. Thanks, my friend. You know, um, you, I'm asking this question because you are a great inspiration to the younger minds. If I understand you correctly, you are studying Turkey for the last four years. You are able to get the grip of the basic issues. You are studying Saudi Arabia for about more than a decade, but you are able to make a very smooth succession transition into Turkey. So if, if a student were to look for changing the field of interest, what would you advise from based on your own personal experience? The reason I'm asking is, you know, both as a student, even outside, we all know that the number of people with whom you can actually have a lively conversation on the Middle East is very limited. So given that drawback, you made a transition from Saudi Arabia to Turkey. So if somebody were to make a similar transition, what would be your advice? Uh, 
So thanks, thanks for asking that question. And, and oh, it was not a planned. It was not a planted question. Okay, <laughs> not, a, not a planted question. I know that. No, I mean, uh, and and uh, obviously you know that I was very reluctant initially when when this this uh, proposal came in the sense that because I I was not sure if I'll be able to do justice uh, to to this uh, and and you know simultaneously pursue the interest in Saudi Arabia. I, I think in terms of advice or in terms of if I try to go and look back, I think what is important is to work on the basics. Uh, what I did was I started uh, with reading some of the uh, uh, basic books in terms of uh, uh, how, for example, uh, Turkish polity has evolved. Uh, uh, and, and that way, the library at IDSA was quite uh, you know, instrumental because you have some of the best uh, literature available. The second thing was uh, to also look at the uh, latest uh, research being published in some of the journals, uh, especially in Turkish studies and other Middle Eastern uh, journals, journals on Middle Eastern studies. Uh, because if you look at it, uh, uh, constantly there has been new research which are coming up as far as Turkey is concerned, it's not just the popular, uh, uh, you know, news channels and the popular debate, but also in terms of debates on uh, people who are doing research on Turkey for some time. So that also was quite helpful uh, in terms of uh, trying to understand as to what is happening in Turkey. Look, trying to put it in some sort of a historical context also was an important uh, uh, role, uh, which which played an important role as far as my understanding was concerned. The third thing was uh, my uh, interest in uh, political Islam or trying to understand uh, how Islamism plays a role in, in, the, in the countries in Middle East. And post-Arab Spring, it has become uh, so, such an important uh, part of the debate on, uh, on, on, on the entire Middle East. Uh, that, that also helped because I was when I was doing my research on Saudi Arabia also, that also had helped me frame some of the questions uh, as to what, what kind of things needs to be asked uh, as far as the research is concerned. So that also helped me uh, in terms of uh, uh, kind of understanding Turkey a little better. And in terms of the other way around also, if I look at it, just to spend a couple of minutes on that, in terms of enriching my own understanding, not just of Turkey, but also in the larger, uh, what, are, what are the things which are happening in the Middle East in terms of geopolitics, in terms of political rivalries, in terms of uh, issues which are involved. I think that has, uh, trying to go a little deeper into Turkey has helped me enrich uh, also. So perhaps uh, it's, it was not, a, not that, much, that much of a bad, Idea. I mean, it was. It was. Despite my initial early reluctance, I think, uh, uh, and and again, thanks to IDSA for giving me that space to be able to kind of pursue both uh, these interests and both these issues. So, maybe. Uh, yeah, okay. So coming back to the question box again. So somebody is asking about the current economic slowdown, uh, which has affected the AKPs and the rural middle class base. And how does that impact an election? Also, um, 
no also on uh, akp's uh, economic policies and how uh, has that impacted on the liberalization and right and so also the, the yeah so i think these two questions uh, the issue of economic policy and also in terms of the slowdown and akp support base in the rural middle class i think they are interlinked so what has happened is that if slightly if, if we go back a little and look at the performance of the not not in terms of democratization but in terms of performance of the government uh, economic performance and you know performance in terms of uh, uh, in, in terms of the aspirations of the lower middle class in that sense akp has done well uh, if you start looking back from 2002 to 2000 uh, the first term of the government 2002 to 2007 uh, that is some that that was the time when actually uh, turkey had flourished in terms of its economic uh, you know in terms of its economy and that is that is strengthened the akp support base and in 2007 it came back to power with a very strong uh, increased share of vote uh, and then that is also that it is the second term actually where some people trace in terms of the changes which started to be visible i mean some people were skeptical even before but that is where the changes started to kind of become more visible initially it was largely within foreign policy uh, uh for example the problems with israel or problems with the, some of the issues which started to come up with the united states or issues which started to come up with nato and then uh, you know arab spring happened so until then turkey was being considered as a model state because it it, it gave a very good economic performance uh, it it was a islamist leaning government but it was not pushing too much in terms of islamization within the domestic system, uh, domestic polity and social issues and also it was trying to give uh, respond to the aspirations of the lower classes the lower middle classes the farmers who wanted to for, for example those on issues related to the use of head staff uh, it was earlier completely banned what edwan and akp did was that even if you have head staff you can attend university you can attend classes so a lot of people who thought that because of their head staff who did not want to shed their head staff and because of their head staff they were not able to perhaps go back go to universities uh, 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 you know those issues were kind of it it uh, uh, stuck a code with these support base the low the anatolian you know strong anatolian uh, rural uh, underclass actually so that is something which was uh, which is important but 2013 is one of the uh, major i mean main uh, you can say uh, timeline where the problem in terms of domestic policy and in terms of the economic problems which which started especially in terms of the handling of the gezi park protest and how the young uh, protesters who were just uh, uh, who had come out through social media mobilization and they thought that they can protest against this uh, environment based on the environmental concern about changing of a public park into a, a economic uh, market kind of development project and all that so but but the way it was handled by the police and the way it was handled by the government in a very high handed manner that brought the issue of crackdown 
and uh, you know problems in terms of uh, uh, quality and how that was a diversion tactics to uh, put things away from the focus away from the economic issues so that is something which was uh, very very important uh, as far as the uh, uh, the issue of economy and uh, the issue of support base was concerned then there is this question of if i can take the yeah yeah the foreign policy one yeah the foreign policy issue about uh, how turkey is proactive that is that is why uh, many people say that edwan is trying to revive that pan islamist idea and become a new new ottoman sultan uh i i would tend to agree with that kind of prognosis that dawan has a has this idea of a grand islamic even if if not the revival of a caliphate but a grand islamic you know pan islamic idea where all the muslim countries have a very good relation and they can perhaps come together and uh, put up a kind of uh, 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 change or at least have some some uh, better or more say in the international order uh, and things like that and turkey playing a leadership leader role of a leadership in that uh, sense and that is why uh, there has been a lot of tension between turkey and saudi arabia and there there are also despite on some some geopolitical issues turkey and iran uh, uh, having certain similarities even with iran also there is a lot of tension because uh, again this is a, that idea of pan islamist uh, you know things and and this is this is very significantly or very uh, visibly playing out not only in syria but also in libya if you look at it the current situation in libya so i think that is something which is important and uh, if you go back to some of the recent statements by uh the uh, uh the uae foreign minister and the arab league uh, they have said about uh, saying that you know we do not want another colonial imperial ruler ottoman ruler in the arab world so that is something which is which is i think important um there's a question about the brotherhood's philosophy in erdogan's politics so i i think i completely uh, agree to your point in the sense that but but the brotherhood of turkey and the brotherhood uh, of egypt i think there is some difference uh, there is uh, there are differences in terms of how they look at the society and there are also differences in terms of how they look at the uh, politics so uh, for example when it comes to the issue of women uh, turkey uh, the turkish brotherhood the akp has come a very long way from how brotherhood in other parts of the world looks at it uh, or the islamist look at it in other parts of the world including for example in the subcontinent as well uh, in when it comes to the turkish brotherhood they look at it in a very different way uh, in terms of foreign policy yes uh, uh, i i'm again whether if if that brotherhood issue comes into the picture and then that grand ottoman a grand strategy idea if that comes into the picture how far how will that play out i am not sure perhaps that there would be a lot we will see a lot of differences actually cropping up so right now it looks as if it's all seamless to get working together but i think once it comes out a little it will be much more of a differences that will come out uh, i think that is something but again we'll have to wait and watch as to how things pan out 
there's a comment about Malaysia's role in the alliance. Will have to be seen to join Yeah, I mean that was that was more because of the Mahathir Mohammed's. Uh, you know, he he was he had a different view. I think Malaysia as a country uh, and as a political system. Uh, and you no, know, there is a difference between what he was thinking and how the how the political leadership, other leadership also do not want to kind of uh, uh, compromise on the relationship with Saudi Arabia. So, you know, the economic relationship, that is something which is important. And uh, perhaps even Mahathir Mohammed was also aware. So he also backed down a little before his resignation also. So I think that is something, but we'll have to see, wait and watch how things pan out. Okay, so you could come to towards the end. So essentially, you are saying that you know he had a large mandate and he was able to tweak the system accordingly, from making it the super presidency to you know that thing. And of course, the fact you talk, fact that you introduced about how economic stability and economy actually helped the political leaders to strengthen and consolidate. And when that didn't happen, you know the political repression started, and you know it's so up to a point. I think people. Kind of, you know, support or go along with the system, and you know. So I think what for me opened up today was I've I've only have exposure to Istanbul where I've seen a very, you know, evening life, woman freely walking around in proper, I mean, in distant clothes and not covered. But we always thought, looked at the, you know, the scarf angle from a, you know, a modern or I would say a Western perspective. The fact that if you're wearing a scarf, you're not allowed, which you know, essentially rules out a large part of the population, which I obviously has a certain, you know, impact on how the domestic policy is unfold. I'm not even going to try and, uh, but this is very interesting and fascinating. Thank you uh, for that, sir.